burning hot, we on fire. Shit, we take it off if it get too hot. Up in this spot, we on fire. Tell the roof off. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host, John Ledyard, along with my boss, the one and only, the esteemed Scott Miller. Scott Reynolds. I gave, I was giving you a little, throwing you off a little bit, Scott, giving you the Bucks star wide receiver name, giving you kind of double the double the claim to fame uh, as we start this podcast. But, uh, you know, you don't really even need the Scotty Miller uh, annotation there uh, next to your name because uh, your uh, credibility standing on its own two feet these days and firing some uh, pretty hot questions at Tom Brady the other day, which I thought were pretty on point. <laughs> I appreciate that, John. I just pulled a hamstring when you said that. So um, <laughs> you're truly a member of the Bucks wide receiver core now. Yes, I, 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 uh, I, I've never been anywhere near as fast as Scotty Miller. I can't even drive my car as fast as Scotty Miller. So. That's um, true. But, and that speed was uh, absolutely on full display this past week as well, yeah. or this past Sunday as well. Man, I mean, he is one of those players right now, and this entire Bucks offense is kind of off to a great start uh, as we near this midseason point. But mm-hmm. Scotty Miller is one of those players right now that it's like, it's almost like we can't talk enough about him in some ways because of how big he has been this season with Chris Godwin missing games and Mike Evans being hobbled in games. You know, this is this is a Scotty Miller that I don't even think even as we were kind of excited seeing in training camp, I don't know if we could ever have imagined that this version of Scotty Miller would show up this season, Scott, yeah. uh, and be as pivotal for this offense as he's been. I mean, he's just been a dynamic player in every level of the defense. He has. He's, he's averaging 16.6 yards per catch, John. That's exactly why they spent the late-round draft pick on him uh, last year. And he's leading the team with 365 yards uh, receiving. He's got 22 catches, which is just three behind both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who were there with uh, 25. Uh, He's tied with Gronkowski. Uh, Both he and Gronk have 22 catches, but two touchdowns. He is tied with Chris Godwin and Gronkowski and O.J. Howard and Tyler Johnson, who scored another touchdown yesterday against uh, the Raiders so yeah, yeah he's like who would have said if we'd have told people that at the beginning of the season that here at the midway points that Scotty Miller would be kind yeah. of leading the way statistically for this wide receiver group they'd have laughed at us and I know injuries have been a part of it but I think just accrediting it to injuries doesn't doesn't do justice to how good he's been and how effective he's been down the field um, and how much I don't think people would have ever envisioned Brady being able to utilize him because coming in the year, people were kind of, you know, Brady's not going to throw the ball deep as much. You know, Brady doesn't have that arm strength or he likes mm-hmm. to check it down. And that's not Scotty Miller's game. And meanwhile, they've been probably the two that have consistently been on the same page the most uh, this season. And yeah, I just can't, I kind of shudder to think about where the offense would be if it wasn't for Scotty Miller early on in the season because of all the injuries that they had. I think there's been so many games this season where he's been such a staple piece for them. And oh, yeah. The deep ball was such a staple piece for them early on when they were struggling to find rhythm to sustain drives consistently, but they've been able to hit big plays the whole entire season. So I think that that's one of the keys with with seeing how important he's been to this offense is just that when the rhythm wasn't there, he was still able to create splash plays for this team and get yeah, them really into has. effective down and distances down the field, and it's just been huge. And, John, the crazy thing is we saw this from literally the very first open training camp practice uh, that the media was able to attend. I mean, he had, yeah. he had, uh, 
an absolute dime shot down the field, 50 yards in the air to Scotty Miller. And what's been amazing is how Tom Brady has been able to, to get that downfield chemistry, not just with him, but with Mike Evans, uh, with, with Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, he's developing that with, with Tyler Johnson. We saw mm-hmm. kind of a, a deeper shot against the Bears in his kind of coming out game. And, uh, and, and maybe that goes back to the summer spent with those practices at Berkeley where he kind of got everybody together in these COVID uh, situations that they were, were living in, kind of frowned upon by the NFLPA. But, but they're paying off because they didn't have any preseason games to really get that downfield calibration going. Yeah, right. And it's just been amazing to see right from the get-go. And that's something that, that John Jameis Winston struggled with was, was hitting those downfield passes, even mm-hmm. though he spent years with a guy like, like Mike Evans mm-hmm. and, and a couple years with Chris Godwin. Not to right. say that Jameis couldn't hit those shots. He could. But what's been even more impressive is the fact that Tom just didn't have that ramp-up uh, time right. uh, with these receivers, and he's finding these guys on the money down the field making big plays. Absolutely. And, and you know, you said it there about Jameis. You know, I think people thought Jeff Jameis is an out quarterback, and he definitely is. But people kind of just consider Jameis a better deep ball passer than Brady. And that was just kind of how it was written coming into this. But the number show is just really never true. Not only did Brady throw the deep ball at above a league average rate and, and you know, two years ago when he actually had deep threats in New England, he threw it at one of the highest rates in the league. Yeah. But he was also more accurate, Scott, on passes of 20 oh, yeah. yards or more than Jameis Winston. I mean, he was <laughs> he was about 41% accuracy last year. This is not adjusted. And, and, and Jameis was about 36. Too. Right, right. And he nobody yeah. throw the ball to. And yeah. so, yeah, it was just – it's always been a case where he's thrown the deep ball extremely well. Scotty's been a big part of that. And obviously, I think that's what carried the offense early in the season. They were kind of like an all-or-nothing offense early on but now the last couple of weeks got i think really the return of chris godwin's had a lot to do with it and the emergence of gronkowski in the offense too but this has been an offense that is mu- doing a much better job of working short to intermediate and then also still being able to hit those big plays and that is allowing them to maintain more rhythm as an offense you know big plays are great but they are by definition low high degree of difficulty, lower percentage type of plays. And when you're reliant on them for success as an offense, you do tend to be a little bit hit or miss drive to drive. The the Bucks were reliant on those early on in the season. Yeah. They weren't running the ball as well. Now they've started to run the ball well. And even when they don't run it well, like yesterday, they didn't run the ball very well on, on Sunday, but they were still able to use the passing game right. to get short to intermediate gains that kind of complemented the big passes, passing plays, which they hit as well. And so when all of those things are clicking, it becomes an offense that's very difficult to stop because mm-hmm. there are so many levels of the field in which they can beat you. And that's kind of what every offense is striving for at the beginning of a season, I think. Yeah, I think you're right, John. And and you mentioned those 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 kind of uh, high risk plays, throwing the ball down the field. One thing Les Steckel, the old Bucks offensive coordinator, you know, told me and he kind of gave everybody in the, in the Bucks media um, this lesson afterwards. He says, statistically, every single yard that you throw the ball down the field, you have a, you know, the, the chances of you completing that pass obviously go down, right? And that's right. why you don't see teams airing it out with 30 and 40 yard shots every play because it is a low percentage pass. So what makes this even more amazing is Brady's been able to hit the amount of deep shots. So I'm not talking necessarily 80 yard bombs, mm-hmm. but we're talking like the 33 yard touchdown pass to Scotty Miller. He threw a 35 yard strike to Miller in the game, uh, hitting Gronk with, you know, with the 30 yard pass. The fact that the Buccaneers completed 58% of their the, of their, or I should say, converted fifty-eight percent of their third downs, uh, seven of twelve, and then were were one of one on on fourth down. 
really speaks to how much trust they have in Brady to take those shots down the field and uh, and not have to worry about oh gosh well you know here it is on on second and five if we if we take the shot now it's third and five. Oh no we we have to convert this Brady is finding these guys on these short and intermediate routes on third downs and right. converting them and that just opens up another series of downs where Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady can dial up another deep shot if they want Right, yeah, he's just consistently taking what the defense has given him, not forcing things, they're not turning the ball over, they're not committing penalties, and we're close to where they were earlier in the season. And so, you know, it is it is everything kind of moving in the right direction right now. We're pumped to have everybody here and in the chat and commenting, and thanks uh, to everyone who has kind of offered congratulations uh, for the expanded podcast and and telling us that they enjoy it uh that's been it's been a ton of fun for us and we are we're loving it uh yeah four days a week we're on here um we're talking uh, live blocks with y'all and it's it's a blast tom brady would say that's right Right. four four days a week i actually was gonna i was gonna have you put that up as the on our story that with the expanded podcast like tom brady giving the four (laughs) and and not just that john but we're also going to carry this format into the off season we're not not going to get you know too much bogged down into that today because we're still knee deep in this five and two start for the Buccaneers, but just stay tuned the entire season. Hopefully, the playoffs in January, February, March. We're going to be doing free agency and draft shows during the week, and you're going to become the most informed Buccaneer and NFL draft fan and right. NFL free agency fan around. Yeah, absolutely. Peter Report Podcast. If you're not subscribed, go to YouTube and subscribe. Uh, Peter Report TV. You can search us. You can find us and hit that subscribe button. Hit that uh, little bell to get the notifications when we go live. As I said, we do four days a week, 4 p.m. Uh, except for post game, we uh, depends kind of when the game finishes up uh, on Sundays. But uh, we've been going live uh, pretty shortly after the game finishes up too, and that's been a lot of fun talking bucks with y'all on here. Another cool thing that you can do is you can jump in and you can, uh, I think you can hit us with some donations. You can hit us with uh, uh, some super chat questions and comments uh, and send us, send a little money our way. We always greatly appreciate that. We got one already uh, from ET here. ET this says he thinks Jameis was, is a gamer. I think what we're seeing here is how cerebral Brady is. He clearly understands everything going on yeah. from the snap. And I agree. I think it's a great yes. point. And I don't think it's just, from the snap too, it's before the ball's even snapped. Yeah. He's got a great idea. Mark Schofield, if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, check him out. He does great work. He just highlighted a couple plays from the game today, the all 22 of the Bucks uh, game uh, from Sunday, and he was see- showing how Brady was seeing man coverage before the snap. And the one play, the Raiders disguised it. They dropped out into a zone, but Brady just quickly you know, slid a little bit, bought himself the time he needed to, found Gronkowski once he passed through the zones. It took him a little bit longer maybe than it would have to uncover against man coverage, but Brady just kind of knew by the leverage of the safety where Gronk was going to end up being and, and makes the play. And so that's why I think this team is so much more efficient. And I think if they caught the ball better and hadn't dropped it as much mm-hmm. early in the season, all the numbers would reflect that, including his raw completion percentage. But Brady's adjusted completion percentage when you you know take away throwaways and spikes and uh, balls that have been dropped, you know, those kinds of plays. Uh, when you take those away, you know, I think you see a guy who's been incredibly accurate and especially in the games where they needed him to the most, the Chargers game and and this yeah. um, this past game uh, on Sunday against the Raiders. Those were the games where the defense kind of struggled the most and gave up some big plays. And that's when Brady was also at his best, his most efficient and hitting plays down the field. And that's and, 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 really and exactly know, what you need. Jonathan, I think ET's right. It's it's not just diagnosing the, the play, right? And understanding yeah. what the coverage is going to be, 
And but it's also finding the, the more favorable matchup. Right? It's it's being able to sit there and say, okay, my progression is on this play. It's Mike and Gronk and Chris, but Chris actually has the best matchup, even though he's the third option, the mm-hmm. third read in this route. And so I think what 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 he what Tom will do is he will cheat and he will glance, glance, and then just immediately go to where he wants to with the ball. He yeah. finds he finds the right matchup. And sometimes it's 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 where where that receiver's route will take him against said defense. But it's also too, it's hey, on this particular play, they got Chris Godwin against their nickel corner, right? Who's the third guy on the totem pole. So we have our Pro Bowl wide receiver versus their third string cornerback. And I don't care, you know, if Chris is the number one or three option on this play, that's where I want to go with the ball, just based upon the traits matchup. And I think right. that's where, where Brady, that ability to, to quickly process the cerebralness uh, of his game just shines. Is is and, and listen, when he has such a clean pocket, and I went back and looked at the game book, John, he got hit one time. Yeah. Once. <laughs> yeah, and, it was the, it was the and, Donovan and, Smith play where Maurice Hurst beat him inside, yeah. I think. But, the, but and, that was and, it. I mean, and any time that you give Brady a clean pocket, and this is what John Gruden said after right. the after the game, he was very disappointed with his with his, his pass rush, I listened to, to Gruden's uh, Zoom mm-hmm. conference call, and he, he's going to make some changes with that, that defensive front uh, because they're just not getting enough pressure. I mean, you, you, get, you got guys like Max Crosby, who had 10 sacks last year, Cleveland Farrell, who is the fourth overall pick, the guy picked right ahead of, of Devin White, mm-hmm. uh, Maurice Hurst, who certainly had a good career at Michigan. These guys couldn't sniff Brady, and that's a tribute to the offensive yeah. line. Who, And I asked Bruce Arians this today in the, in the conference call, you know, has this unit turned a corner since that second half against the Bears? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's been one of those – it's been one of the biggest – I don't know if surprise is the right word because I I, get, I think it is surprise because could we – even though we thought the Bucks offense was going to be yes, better. yes, it's a huge surprise. The, this this team has given up eight sacks, eight this year. It's crazy. I mean, games. Tristan did, Wirfs has just been unbelievable. I mean, yeah. for a rookie, for anybody, it's been – I know you're, I know you're new to the, to the Bucks beat, and we love having yeah. you on the Bucks beat. But trust me, <laughs> we're, we're talking eight sacks probably through three games last year. I have to go back and do the numbers, really. But I mean, just off the top of my head, probably three or four games. So, so the, they they yeah. are they're at a tremendous rate. And you know what? This is the this is the rate that Brady's used to. This is the rate where you know he gets sacked 27 times, you know, per game. I'm sorry, per game, but per season that, that averages about to one one and a half times per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he's used to in New England, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. And that's a tribute to to Brady getting rid of the ball, and it's it's that that quick mental processor, knowing where to go with the ball mm-hmm. and getting it out of your hands quickly. Um, I had multiple Buck sources tell me last year, Jameis got sacked forty seven times, and they pinned fifteen of those on him yeah. for holding onto the ball too long and not knowing right. where to go. So, right. I mean, that's I don't know if you're going to have that all season with hardly ever with Brady. Right. Are you going to have that? You know and it, you know, it's it's interesting. There are times on tape where I'm like, Brady is making the right decision, getting the ball out. He's seeing the leverage, but because his underneath playmakers for most of the like the tight ends and the running backs, as much as I love what Gronk has done, and I thought Fournette, you know, did his job the other day. You know, caught caught the ball and got forward. That's it. Yeah. Just do that. You know, as much as I enjoy that, they had, doesn't have a lot of playmakers underneath. Guys, when they get the ball in their hands, are dangerous right. in space. He had that in New England with the guys that they had. That's going to be a priority for the Bucs in the offseason, I think. Maybe yeah. it's Keyshawn Vaughn long-term. I don't know. We haven't seen enough to be able to say. But right now, his hands have not been. I mean, he's dropped three passes and he's barely played. And so, <laughs> and fumbled one. And so, I, I, I have the big question mark there. But at some point, I wonder, 
if Brady and we'll, and we'll talk about this more as the season goes on. I think at some point I wonder if he realizes my protection is awesome, like yeah. awesome, you know, and I can maybe hold this thing a little bit longer, pass right. up these checkdowns and four or five free yards and wait for somebody to come open down the field more or that's for guys to rally wants. underneath. Yeah, yeah. For guys to rally yeah. underneath because they think I'm going to check down. And then yeah. all of a sudden in the zone, something's open behind them. And so to me, I wonder if that's the next step for the offense. Cause when I watch the tape, I, I see Brady getting the ball out super quick oh, yeah. and they're efficient and they get a couple yards. It's like a run play. Almost they get four or five yards. They get in a manageable second and third down and it's great. But I do wonder as I'm watching him, I'm like, man, there is nobody in his zip code right now when he's throwing yeah. this ball. And I wonder and you know if later he can just hold it and rip it. That's one thing Bruce Arians loves to do come Monday mornings. I don't care if it's Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, Jameis Winston, uh, Tom Brady. He loves to go back over the tape and say, yeah, you missed the deep shot here. Here was your chance right here. You know, He, he points out those guys that were that were open right and maybe sometimes quarterback didn't see him there was a hand in his face or maybe he had to, yeah. to sidestep the rush or whatever but that's one thing bruce does and he's done for for decades really in this league is he will drill into the quarterback's head you missed this deep shot here you missed this one here and it's only yep. a couple times per game but those are big plays those are touchdowns or huge chunk plays that, that are waiting to happen and what that does is that that keeps the thought in the quarterback's mind to you know don't don't necessarily give up on that deep shot and, and look quickly underneath to the intermediate or the short route. Like, let's see if it develops or, you know, look at the intermediate and then take a peek deep before you, you get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate Callum giving us a shout out there. Um, loving the X's and O's. Callum, man, I'm from my own heart with that uh, comment. Appreciate that and appreciate Rob and all y'all uh, giving us love on the Peter yes. Report podcast. Uh, yeah, some this is a good comment here. Uh, from Ness, he says the most dangerous type of Brady is a comfortable Brady. So, yes, John, I agree. And Dan Orlovsky said this today on ESPN. He said, if Brady is protected, he's as good as any quarterback in the NFL. And That's I agree right. with him. I, I don't even know if I'd call it a weakness of Brady's that you need to protect. I don't know that, that that should be put on a quarterback. It's a great advantage when a quarterback can create out of structure, certainly, and buy time with right. his legs and be an effective runner. I almost think it's one of the, it should be something that gets prioritized pretty heavily now for quarterback prospects. But the reality is that we still have a lot of quarterbacks in the league that don't win that way and can't win that I way. Know. And so, and Brady's about as good as it gets when it, when you take that out of it and, and you just consider the passing, he's still about as good as it gets because he can make all the throws and his arm hasn't lost anything. And mentally he's top of his game. And, you know, so I, I think that there you're right that if the Bucks offense runs into trouble, that isn't of their own nature, which really, you know, we maybe we saw it a little bit in the Bears game because they are one of the best pass rush teams in the league, maybe the best in the NFC. I think they probably are the best in the NFC. Yeah. Most of the top teams in the NFC can't rush the passer at all this season. And they don't have um, the defense. We saw that in, with Seattle and Arizona last night. Yeah, right. Just, yeah, Arizona, Green Bay, yeah. Yeah, two right. very good teams, but they just don't have the defense that Todd yeah. Bowles has. Yeah, and, and pass rush has been a hard thing to come by for a lot of these NFC teams. So we saw it a little bit against the Bears, but I still think most of the game the offensive line was actually solid against the Bears. It was really one yeah. or two drives, but I, I think that in those moments you maybe saw a little bit of how, how you can – how you can get to Brady a little bit, but I don't know that it's even a knock of Brady. I think everything Brady can control, he does on a consistent basis and he doesn't miss many throws. And so that makes you a really, really hard team to beat when you have a quarterback that is that kind of foolproof at this point in the season. John, you know what else is hard to beat? Tell me. Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, we have a brand new sponsor on the Peter Report podcast, Manscaped. Okay, Let's Just got go. this package today. Yes. 
manscaped.com. So if, if you know about Manscaped, let me take a couple of seconds and tell you about it. Uh, listen, football's back, people. And what that means is it's time to throw in your team's colors and make sure you don't fumble your grooming below your waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a big hit. So you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Now, Manscaped is here with a surefire touchdown with the best tools for your male grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, which is this bad boy right here. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Now, because of the ceramic blade and the skin safe technology, your snags will be greatly reduced. Their perfect package 3.0, which is what I have right here from the great folks at Manscaped, uh, comes with the new and improved lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. So this is the best part of the offer right here. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code Pewter at manscaped.com. So if you go to manscaped.com, use the promo code Pewter, they're going to give you 20% off this amazing package right here that the entire Peter Report staff got. Now, the, the great thing is, is we each have our own Manscaped uh, care package. And John, yours is, is on the way. So we That's don't right. have to, to you know, swap out each other's uh, grooming materials. We, now, we each have our own. Be, That's right, very important. Be, yeah, very important. Be extremely awkward. Probably wouldn't use it. Uh, probably wouldn't use it either, <laughs> yes. But the great thing is, is this, this perfect package 3.0 has got that new and improved lawnmower, waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and that travel bag I was talking about. So get it today, uh, 20% off plus free shipping. And listen, guys, if you're looking for, you know, if you're looking for that perfect gift for, you know, I don't know, yourself, right? The, you know, your wife, your girlfriend is, is going to say, you know, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for the holiday season? And, and this is, this is a, this is something that you're not only going to enjoy, but she's going to enjoy as well. So take advantage of this limited time offer with Manscaped's Pro Bowl lineup. Try it for yourself. I just got this today. I'm going to try it, and John, we're, we're going to talk about it on on Sunday. And not in I'm too gonna, much detail, but yes, not in too much detail. But I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down on Manscaped, and and uh, from everything I've heard, it's going to be a thumbs up. But get 20 percent off for free shipping with your promo code Pewter at Manscaped.com. That's 20 percent off free shipping Manscaped.com. Use the promo code Pewter this football season. Audible from the ordinary and choose Manscaped for your most important male grooming needs. One of the things we need to talk about on this podcast, Scott, is the play action pass. You know, we have been singing the praises of this offense because it looks like it's hitting. And one of the big reasons it's hitting is play action. I mean, it has yes. been almost like an automatic completion for the Bucs this season. I mean, they have not had many games where it has not worked uh, beautifully, basically, for an entire game. You know, this season, Tom Brady is 37 of 52 uh, on play action. That's 71% of his passes without even adjusting for drops and things That's of that cool. nature on those plays they also have 542 yards off play action they're averaging 10.4 yards per pass attempt on play action attempts those 542 yards are ninth in the nfl according to pro football focus scott but that is even more ridiculous when you consider the fact that the bucks are below league average in the amount of times they utilize play action. So they are ninth best in the NFL, despite using it at a, a below action uh, average rate 
And then the yards per attempt, as I already mentioned, through the roof of the box, 10.4. There's only four t- four teams, actually, if we put the filter on here and get uh, some of these guys out of here who have barely played, uh, there's only four quarterbacks ahead of Tom Brady. or Tom yeah. Brees is tied with them. They have the same uh, yards per attempt average and play action. But only Ryan Tannehill and that Tennessee offense that lives off of it, uh, off of play action attempts, Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. uh, and Drew Brees that are ties tied with Tom Brady are, are doing it at a better clip uh, than Brady is off of play action. It screams two things to me. Number one, this team loves to hit deep shots off of play action, and it works consistently. Yes. Number two, why are they doing it even more? <laughs> they go play action first play of the game the other day, which was a terrific call. Rob Who did he overthrow? Gronkowski. On the over route, that was Brady's only miss of the day. I think it just pissed him off, and then he just yeah. went out and annihilated him the rest of the game. But he missed a wide open Gronkowski in an over route. I don't think I I can't remember ever seeing Brady miss that throw before. Yeah. Um, I rewatched it too to see if I missed something, and no, he just missed it. Um, didn't miss much after that. But that was the only incompletion they had. They were eight of nine passing uh, in play action situations uh, yesterday for a hundred and what I say, hundred some yards, a touchdown. Uh, eight of nine, Scott. So, and the only incompletion they had was completely self-inflicted. Nothing. The scheme perfect, designed perfect off it. They are killing people with play action right now. They can't be stopped on it. And uh, it's something I think that I know the offense is sizzling right now, but it's something I think the Bucks need to be mindful of. I know Bruce Aarons always said you have to run to set it up, but I don't think you do because <laughs> because well, either way, the linebackers got to respect their gaps. And the great news is. Respect. They can run the ball. They can run the ball with either Ronald Jones or they can run it with Leonard Fournette. We, we saw that yesterday. I thought they would run the ball even more against the Raiders with their, their poorest tackling ability, uh, but they didn't have to. When you have Brady throwing for four touchdowns and 369 yards, yeah. you're going to get yards one way or the other against that Raiders defense, which was averaging 30.4 yards per game allowed coming into the game and, and gave up certainly more than that. Now, the good news for the Buccaneers is they're, they're scoring – keeps inching up. They're now the third highest scoring team in the league. The Seattle Seahawks are number one currently with 33.8 yards. The Packers sit there at 32.8. The Bucks are third with 31.7 yards mm-hmm. per game. And defensively, they have the, the third ranked total defense with 291.3 yards. And, uh, and even more importantly, as John Gruden once told me, that's yards don't win games, man. Points do. Well, you're right, uh, Chucky. And the Buccaneers right now, um, really kind of getting back to that that uh, Super Bowl caliber defense in terms of, of points um, surrendered. They're at, at 20.3. Right now, the Ravens, the class of the league, 17.3. The Dolphins, 18.8. The Rams, 19. The Colts, 19.2. Bears, 19.3. 49ers, 19.4. Steelers, 19.7. And there's Tampa Bay at 20.3. So certainly mm-hmm. within the top 10 there. And speaking of Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still the, the league's leading sacking team with 25 sacks in the year, but the Buccaneers inching, inching right behind them at 24 on the Devin season. White covered sacks. Devin That's White was, right. He was playing like he was a little pissed. The Raiders passed up on him in the draft. <laughs> I know, right? He got My three goodness. sacks, a forced fumble, 11 tackles, had a great day for him. And uh, you know what, John? This might be a rare – I don't know if it's ever happened in Buccaneer history before. I'd have to go back and see and maybe contact the public relations staff. I just don't know if it's happened. But but what if the Buccaneers have the NFC Defensive Player of the Week in Devin White with those three sacks, 11 tackles, and a forced fumble, and the NFC's Offensive 
player of the week in Tom Brady with mm-hmm. his 369 yards, four passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. Yeah, will be something. You know, tough. Devin White continues to be this player that it's like, man, how can we find the perfect niche for what he does? And I thought he was actually re-watching some of the game. I, there were moments in coverage where definitely he got beat, but I did think he did some things a little bit better, and it's starting to come together for him. I really do. But yeah. you're right. He is still such an effective player when he's blitzing. You almost want to do it all the time with him. And yeah. he, I think he's pro football focus is like, he's not even close to being one of their highest ranked linebackers. And I, right. I have issues with the way they grade linebackers at times too. That's a subject for another day, but as a pass rushing linebacker, I think he's their best one in the, in the league yes. as an off ball linebacker, because he's just so good at it. I well, mean, he's, he's just got four he's, sacks now, John. And, and right. really at this pace, he could end up as a double digit sacker. Yeah. Yeah. As, it's as an inside linebacker. Blitzing it's true. Big apps. So. Right. And, and, and he's able to be a guy that helps alleviate the loss of Vita Vey, as weird as that sounds, right. because he can get pressure from different spots and you can move him around. And really right now they, they need to create pressure. And I know we'll talk about that a little more in a second, but yeah, he continues to be a player that I think yeah. watching him on Sunday, it's like, man, the, the traits that this guy has are his play when he closed on car on that fourth and one, <laughs> he wasn't even in the screen yeah, when car started running. <laughs> I, I forget who I, I retweeted that. I forgot who had the original tweet, but it was, it was genius. If you watch the, the show, the boys on Amazon, mm-hmm. that's that superhero uh, miniseries. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, he's running like a train on compound V. That's right. And I, I thought that was, that was a brilliant. That was Nate Tice. Actually, that was Mike Tice's was son. Okay. Mike Tice's son that had that tweet. Yeah. yeah. He does a lot of good film breakdowns. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was pretty funny. I, I watched Devin White and that's a pretty apt description. I mean, he is just, sometimes I think he overrun tackles and he just reaches out his arms and just rips guys to the ground. He's got incredible grip strength. And I think he is, he is really um, a player that, I think that the ceiling for him is still so high. It's we remember it's second year and that position I think is John, slower to adapt to the NFL than most. And so it's really impressive. If you had to bet, what do you think the odds are that say Devin White would end up as the NFL defensive player of the year this year? Devin White, uh yeah. defensive player of the year. Um yeah. probably I think he's in the conversation. Maybe? He's probably in the conversation because it okay. is mostly a statistical. It is mostly a statistical yeah. award, but uh, I would still say there's probably a few ahead of him. Yeah, but well, he's probably I, the best bet for the box. I don't, I don't know if they're, if they actually have a line on that, if if that's an actual prop bet for my bookie. But the great thing about my bookie, John, is they've got all sorts of prop bets mm-hmm. uh, for for the NFL season. So um, that's one thing I do is I start my Mondays and I go on there and I check out some of the prop bets, and then they they add some more during the week. So it's really fun to do that. And of course, I blew it. I, I knew that the Bucks were going to beat the Raiders yesterday, and it was a favorable spread. And it's been a tough week for me. I should have gone on there, and I would have I would have won some money. And and the same thing with with K State beating KU because uh, they've done it now. I think for thirteen or fourteen straight years, and they won fifty five to fourteen. So they won handily. That was a, a pretty safe bet too. Uh, so I'm going to do that this week. I'm I'm not going to lay off uh, my bookie. I'm going to get back on. And listen, ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. So, you know, last week was it the Patriots or the 49ers, the Bucks, or the Raiders? I would have told you Bucks. I mean, we had that in our pewter uh, predictions and preview. The best piece of advice I can give to anybody is not just who you're betting on, but where you're doing your betting. And that's why I tell people to visit my bookie. 
They've got the deposit matches, the free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Major League Baseball, World Series, Tampa Bay Rays, check. Plus, they got a mobile-friendly website, top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. It's really easy to log on and place those bets. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure that you're covered every step of the way. Sign up today at MyBookie. When you do, use the promo code Pewter, John, Pewter, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter to claim your bonus when you make your initial deposit. And the great thing about MyBookie, John, is is you can sign up at any time. It doesn't matter that we're almost halfway through football season. It doesn't matter. You can start playing today and start winning with stacked UFC cards coming up, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and more await you. Sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Big shout-out to Greg DeCruz, who is in this chat every single time. Throwing out the 20 bucks super sticker for us, Greg. We really appreciate you're always in this chat. You're always having good comments, good things to say, and really uh, appreciate your comment too about Scott going above and beyond this week. Oh, wow, uh, with everything going on with his mom. And uh, so, really appreciate you, Greg. That's that means a lot. Super cool of you. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, really cool. One of the things we wanted to talk about, Scott, too, as we as we continue on with this show is the Bucks being able to pressure with four. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's something you and I have gone back and forth on this a lot because we're both the same way and like-minded when it comes to pass rush. Like there's few things we enjoy better than watching NFL game than a great pass rush. And so it has been kind of a blast for me as, as a guy, as somebody who grew up a Steelers fan to watch their defense this year and then to turn around and watch the bucks uh, developing a great affinity for them and see both teams getting after it. But it has been a little bit more of a blitz dependent pass Mm -hmm. rush for the bucks um, and I wonder if, especially with Vita Vey out, because he is such a load, even if it's slow burn pass rush wins, he constantly condensed the pocket. Yeah. Um, and I don't see anybody really who does that right now for the Bucs. I will give a shout out to Will Golson because I think he is playing his tail off right now. I think right. he's doing everything he possibly can. He has never been a dynamic pass rusher. Then he right now is leading the way for their interior D line. And I give him a shout out for that because he's spent his whole career being a run stuffer. And now he's being asked yes. to do something else because they just don't have a lot of great depth. So huge shout out to him. But at the same time, Scott, I look at this defense and I wonder, can they get pressure with four in games where it matters most against really good quarterbacks, you know, when they get to the playoffs and things like that, um, you know, is that something that we can count on from the Bucks, or do they need to, Think about even maybe making some sort of a move to be able to to help this pass rush group out. That's a great question, and and I don't know what the answer is. I I I, th- I think the yeah. I think they can, but I I think that Bowles' system for his his way of bringing pressure is with those blitzes. It is with an extra rusher, and I think they do it so well. So I'm I'm not as concerned because of, of the blitz nature that Bowles has with calling a defense. Um, that he feels comfortable doing that. At the same time, you'd love to get pressure with four because that allows you to do a lot more with your coverage, right? And allows you to, to double and take away, maybe bracket mm-hmm. some some receivers or tight ends. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm not super concerned about it because the Bucks are so effective blitzing. Back in the day with Monty Kiffin, if it was one of those things where Simeon Rice or Warren Sapp, uh, you know, if, if they just if, if they were getting doubled 
And, and the other guys weren't winning their one-on-one, whether it was Booger McFarland or Brad Culpepper or whoever it was back in the day, Chidi Hanatu. Uh, th- then it was difficult because Monty Kiffin didn't blitz a lot. And he, he rarely blitzed Derek Brooks. Brooks had more interceptions than sacks in his career because he was just so gifted in, um, you know, in pass coverage. But, you know, Monty would, would, would blitz the Sam linebacker some. He would blitz Hardy Nickerson a little bit. He bl- would blitz Rondé Barber actually the most out of the nickel, out of the slot. Mm-hmm. And that's why, why Barber, uh, you know, put up so many sacks. But I, I think that was more of a concern back then is, is, boy, if Tampa Bay's front four was not getting to a quarterback, whether it was Brett Favre or Dante Culpepper or whoever, then it might, you might be in for a long day because the Bucs just weren't really adept at bringing pressure. But this Bulls defense, they practice bringing safeties in nickel corners and cat corners um, you know, from, from the boundary. Uh, they'll bring A-gap, a double A-gap inside linebackers. Uh, we've seen them blitz. They'll, they actually line up Levante David and Devin White as edge rushers. So the blitz package is so diverse that mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of, of this, this unit not getting there with four because if Todd Bowles has to okay. dial it up, and especially yeah. the way that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are playing, especially on the outside, I yeah. think that he can, he can risk it with man pressure. So, so you're holding out for a little bit and not making a move. And I agree with you. I'm not ready to say make a move just yet. I think there's some options to free up space if you needed to. You know, if Antonio Claire comes back, we've seen Cameron Braid snaps go from 33 to 23 to 12 the other day. We've seen Tanner Hudson go from 16 to 8 to 2 the last three games. Yeah. That's the progression the last three games for those guys. With Antonio Brown coming in, this team is going to operate more out of 11 personnel than they did early in the season. Wide receivers are healthy right now. They're extremely deep. They want to get their best players on the field. I think that next tight end is going to be just a blocker. And if Gronk were to go down, I think that they would just say, okay, we're going to run, we're going to run right. the offense through the wide receivers and we got the guys to do it. So I don't know that Cameron Bright, because he doesn't block, he's not very good at blocking, um, is a, again, it c- clears up cap space and it gives you options to be able to sign someone. So it's an option. I'm not saying do it at all right now. LaShawn McCoy is another one. I think LaShawn McCoy is one that I think you could let LaShawn McCoy go mm-hmm. um, at this point with, with Fournette back and with Deshaun Vaughn getting some reps and getting ready to and John, you said, you said having Fournette back, and that's one thing that Bruce Aarons revealed on the conference call today was, was that Leonard Fournette was taking over. As, mm-hmm. as the nickel running back. The third down back, yeah, yeah, yeah so, exactly and, right. And we, we saw that, and we didn't see really any of LaShawn McCoy out there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, that, oh my yeah, gosh, I, I think that's Leonard Fournette's role now, and yeah. we'll see if he can you know, chip away into some of those first and second down carries. He did say, uh, Arian said today, that, that Rojo still the lead back on this team. Yeah, but yeah. the more effective Leonard Fournette is, he's not going to just be in there on third downs. He's going to see more – time on first and second downs too. Yeah. Thank you I mean, yeah. to o- O'Notes Alex, the COVID mask didn't let us see all those Chucky faces. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's Agreed. very true. That's Appreciate a good point. It. Appreciate the donation. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's a good point about Leonard Fournette as well, Scotty, because really I've said it on Twitter. They just they need a running back and catch the ball and can get forward. And they haven't had that guy. I mean, Leonard Fournette sat out for games and earned himself a role because it wasn't anything he did. It was everything everybody else didn't do. And so he almost dropped his first opportunity and that might've put the, the role yeah. in jeopardy, but he, he bobble tip drilled it and, uh, a couple yards down the field and pulled in a big pass early Gone. in the game and then kept it rolling. And so I think he's done some good things, but I yeah. do want to Matt, mention this Scott before we jump yeah. to another topic. Sure. Douglas O'Connor brings up a good point. The answer is sure in terms of pass rush help. 
do it, but now who? Who's out there? Right. Just wanted to throw out a couple names for people to think about so that you at least know who's out there. Obviously, there could be a trade with another team that is the potential. I, th- I only even bring up trades because I think the Bucks have shown at this point they are kind of willing to put all the stops to yeah. win a Super Bowl this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So the names They're that are out there in. right now that I think are most intriguing, Cameron Wake has said he would be a pure pass rush specialist, which is what he's been at Miami or late in his career, Miami, Tennessee. There was those that was his role. Uh, he'd be a pure pass rush specialist type of guy, uh, playing a lot in game, a lot more in games that they would be down or there'd be shootouts or things of that nature. Um, but he would be that type of a player. And he said, yeah. last I heard, his agent said he still wanted to play. And he's uh, not on the team. And the other guy's Clay Matthews had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. The reason Clay Matthews isn't on a roster right now is because most teams feel pretty set about their starters and he right. won't play special teams. And, well, and you, you need know that, your number three guy to play special teams. Usually. The great thing about a guy like, like Matthews is he's got so much experience in a three, four defense as an outside edge rusher. Right. So mm-hmm. he, he can, he can make that, that scheme fit transition pretty, pretty quickly. And the other thing from a cap perspective is some of these guys like Clay Matthews, when I was probing some of my bucks insiders about, about him at the start of the season it's he's too expensive right well the great thing is each week that rolls by you're paying these guys less and less because there are more there are fewer game checks left in the season right so uh, if if you were to sign uh, say a clay matthews uh with seven games left I mean, you're paying him you know half of what you were going to pay him at the beginning of the season actually a little bit less than half so so yeah. there is that to consider while we're while we're still on defense i want to uh have you address this uh, John, this is Greg DeCruz's question. Who's better in coverage, David or White? Both got beat yesterday. Uh, will we see more dime with another safety replacing White or David? Talk about Levante, David, because this is something, again, y'all are missing out um, on, on the, the Peter Report group text that we have <laughs> during the game. We're talking about, about the plays as they're happening. Myself, John, uh, Grizz, Matt, and Mark, right? We all, we all have our own thoughts about what's happening. But talk about Levante David, right? Mm-hmm. He he got beat twice on two touchdowns yesterday. The Darren Waller inside slant and the Nelson Aguilar uh, shot down the middle. But really, John, did he did he get beat on those plays? Yeah, this is interesting. I actually missed this during the game live in our in our group text. I, well, we all kind of did, but I I should have probably seen this. Um, but in on the long on the play to Aguilar. David actually does his job well, which I which I said, I don't know how you're David and you can defend that throw and that catch. You can't. Um, so I wouldn't even knock him for that play, the Aguilar touchdown. But actually, when I watched the tape, I realized it's not even it's not even on him at all. Like yeah. he did his job perfectly. It was actually Antoine Winfield. He he buzzed down and kind of was top, yeah. yeah, he was in the box and then he was supposed to fall out of the box. I don't know if they were simulating a pressure or something, but he, he was supposed to fall out of the box and uh, be the post safety. And he just never got over top of that route. I think he thought Aguilar, the way he played it, he thought Aguilar was going to break inside at some point and he was going to be in perfect position mm-hmm. and it never happened. Aguilar just kept getting vertical and and then yeah. uh, Winfield was never able to get back over top of that route. So that one was actually on him. And then Levante David did give up a little bit more in the passing game than he should have. I'm actually writing about the, some of this for the Bucks briefing, so you get a little bit of sneak, sneak peek uh, into some of the things that went wrong with the defense. But uh, one of the things that happened, one of the first plays of the game was the 28-yard pass to Aguilar and the dig route in the middle of the field. And it was technically in David's zone, but there in that Tampa 2 defense, they had a, a Mills concept going, so the vertical clears out the middle of the field, takes Devin White with them down the middle of the field, and Shaq Barrett has to drop from that other edge defender spot and replace where Devin White would be in that middle zone. And it just – I think Barrett actually did his job about, as, about yeah. as well as you could for an edge defender, but the reality is you're still dropping an edge defender into coverage, yeah. and it just isn't ideal. And so 
in that situation, I wouldn't even say it was on anybody per se. You know, it was right between David and Barrett. And I think you technically put the yards on someone, I guess. But I don't know that in that coverage scheme, you could have maybe drawn it up any better. It was a great play by the Raiders. Sometimes you got to tip your hat. Every right. coverage is a hole in it. And sometimes it's not on any one player. It's just a great scheme. And you right. have to adjust from there. That's why everybody's going to get yards in this league. And so those were two of the plays with David. And the other one was the touchdown, Darren Waller, right. uh, where David was involved in a man coverage against probably one of the toughest tight ends in the league to be in man coverage with. I actually think he played it beautifully. Just yeah. kind of missed the ball coming in, it looked like, on the one replay that I did see. But – he was in right position. He knew the route that was going to kind of come, and ball just snuck right through. We sent, saw that earlier in the year. I think it was Mike Evans on uh, against maybe the Bears, and I forget now, but he caught a touchdown same way, yes. um, yep. coming across on the slant route right on the goal line. Coverage was pretty good, but the, when you throw a perfect ball and you've got a strong-armed or strong-handed receiver, right. that's going to be a catch more often John, than not. And so it, it was a tough spot for David. But it's so by the hard. Way, Amante David is by far the better coverage linebacker yes. than that. I would say David is like top of the league in his position. Yeah. And Devin White is like bottom of the league, and it comes to coverage only. Yeah. But yeah, and it's experience. Not- I think. I think we, you know, Devin White. He's, you know, he's what playing the yeah. game twenty or something now in his career because right. he missed him last year. So we, we'll give him some time on that. But um, it just reminds me of of uh, of an instance where, and I forget the year, but um, I had John Lynch come up to me and in the locker room this is back in the in the pewter report magazine days and and i had uh or maybe it was buccaneer magazine because the name switched in, in 2002 but i had written where it looked like on the on the television replay live and on the tv replay that ronde barber had given up uh, a route and gotten beat by ricky prole against the carolina panthers jake delome you know threw a shot down there and and all you could see on the replay was was barber just trailing prole and you're like, you know, okay, well, that that's on Ronde, but but it really wasn't. And John Lynch was nowhere to be seen in in the in the picture on the TV replay. But Lynch came up to me. He's like, hey, I read your your uh, you know your your game coverage story, and that wasn't Ronde. That was me. I got totally sucked up on mm-hmm. on a play action, and I was supposed to be playing too deep. So that was not Ronde's guy. Ronde rerouted him, and was supposed to hang in the shallow. We were playing Tampa too, and. You know, and he saw that I wasn't there, so he turned and ran. And you know, Ricky Pro had several steps on him. But that's the difficult thing is is sometimes, especially when guys are out of position, right? Uh, you you think, oh well, you know, here's the only guy in, on on the TV screen trailing the the receiver, so it must be his fault. But but sometimes guys are so out of position that it's not their fault; it's the other guy. Absolutely right, Scott. And you made a good decision this week, though. You talked to our friends over at Briar Greaves. You've been telling them you would, and you finally pulled the trigger and talked to them. And we're going to hear from you about that in a second. But uh, guess what, folks? We're almost into November, and there is a new tropical disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico. Storm season is officially still here for another week. Don't wait to review your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves Insurance, which is family-owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years. For your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing policies. Those companies are leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. 
The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers, always can talk Bucks football with them, Definitely. and proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit Briar Greaves Insurance or call 813 876 4166. That's 813 876 4166 today. Scott, you did it. You picked up the phone and you talked to our friends over at Briar Greaves Insurance this week. Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I, I called right before this podcast because as I said I was going to, and I did. <laughs> and I got Sam on the phone, Briar's son, and uh, we had a few minutes to talk, and I had my policy ready. And I, I sent him the quick email, and I said, take a look at this, Sam. Let me know what's going on. And and he's he said, we're, we're going to do this, and I'll give you a call back on, on Wednesday morning, and we'll discuss this and take a look at your policy. And, and we'll start with the homeowner's policy, and then we'll take a look at auto, and we'll take a look at every other insurance need that you might have. Uh, one of the absolute nicest guys in the world. I can only imagine his father's the same way. He's going to be on the call with, with Sam and myself on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to meeting Briar. We appreciate their support here at pewterreport.com and also on the Pewter Report podcast. So do what I did, Pewter Nation. Go out there and, and visit the briargreavesinsurance.com website or give Briar Greaves a call and you'll be glad that you did. Yeah, seen some great comments uh, talking about contracts and what the Bucks are going to do with free agents like Gronk and Chris Godwin, Levante David, Jack Barrett, and stuff like that at the end of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about this at some point, but it's probably going to be sometime during the bye week. We want to have yeah. that kind of lined up for some podcasts for you all to be able to break that kind of stuff down in pretty good detail. Plus, we'll have a few more game sample size to be able to draw from. We always like that with a late buy. So we will talk about that at some point on the show. So just keep that in your back pocket uh, when you're thinking of those kind of questions. Big picture outlook, Scott, to wrap up this podcast, which we always say is going to be shorter than it ends up being because we got so many great fans and so many great questions to answer uh, during the podcast. Again, um, you know, this big picture outlook with the Bucs right now in the NFC, we've kind of hinted at it, but it's hard to look across the NFC right now and find like a more complete team that's also played quality opponents. I mean, mm-hmm. then the Bucks. I, you know, I look at Seattle last night. Let's just talk about them for a second because yeah. they were kind of the last undefeated to fall right. um, in the NFC. And you know, I I just saw a team that had too many. Ho- I just was. I'm, I just thought Russell Wilson is going to have to be unbelievable for right. this team. And last night he was not, and they lost to a Cardinals yeah. team that I think is okay, but you know, five and two, they haven't hadn't played beaten many people. And so I just thought that Seattle, when you looked at who they played this season, I mean, Atlanta, and that wasn't a close game, but then right. the Patriots, I mean, they, they barely beat the Patriots. Patriots are two. They're not good at all. Uh, the Cowboys barely beat the Cowboys, the dolphins 31, 23. It was, took a late stop. I think dolphins are driving. I think they stopped them late in the game yeah. um, to stave off that one. Then barely beat the Vikings last play of the game. The Vikings are tanking. They're, they're sending, play, you know, and then they lose to, to the Cardinals coming off the bye. They've got the 49ers, the bills and the Rams is their next three. I, I don't know. I don't know that there's a better team in the NFC right now than the Bucs. I'm also not ready to say the Bucs are clearly undisputed the best team in the NFC. So if you can deal with the duality of those two statements, maybe, then you can understand where I'm coming from. I just don't see a team that is clearly better. I still think the Packers, by the way, yeah. are probably the most dangerous team. I know the Bucs worked them, but I bet if they meet again, it's not 38 to 10. I'm not saying the Bucs right. can't win. They can, absolutely. Well, I, I think I, I think given the fact that this league is so geared towards the passing game, and maybe that changes a little bit, right? As as the conditions 
uh, change. And it depends on the venue, right? If, if you're if you're talking about uh, Tampa Bay hosting playoff games, then then inclement weather is not really a factor. There's, there's not going to be any snow in Tampa. There's not going to be any cold weather games down here. Um, but if you look at, at uh, say, for example, the, the Seahawks or even the Cardinals now that they don't have Chandler Jones, he's, he's out for the year. You look at the Seahawks, uh, LJ Collier, Jerron Reed, Puna Ford. Um, you know, they've got Bobby Wagner, right, as, as their stud middle linebacker. They've got Jamal Adams in the secondary. They just don't have the horses defensively to get after the quarterback. Right. And, and I know that Shaq Barrett has not had a great start to the season, but I think he's going to end up as a double-digit sacker. I think Jason Pierre-Paul, who's got five and a half sacks, will lead the way. We've talked about what Devin White can do. And so I think this is this is a league that that has built the position around the quarterback and stopping the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, and, and picking mm-hmm. the quarterback off. And, and so those three things, Tom Brady has accounted for 20 touchdowns this year, 18 passing and two rushing. Right now, the Buccaneers are second in the league in sacks, right behind Blitzburg mm-hmm. uh, with, with 24 sacks. And they're second in the league in interceptions with nine, right behind Indianapolis, who has 10. So they are affecting the quarterback by getting the interceptions and getting the sacks. And, and then on the other side of the ball, and you mentioned the word complete, they are a complete team. They've got an offense and a defense playing complementary football. Tom Brady doesn't turn the ball over, only four turnovers so far this year. And, and it's just stacking up touchdowns. So I think, John, that's what makes the Buccaneers the complete team. Yes, mm-hmm. the Bears have a very good defense. We saw that on Thursday night. But they don't have the offense that when Tampa Bay is firing on all cylinders can match the firepower. And I think right. the two teams we talked about, Seattle, we saw Green Bay didn't have the pass rush. And, and even the Cardinals without Chandler Jones now, I don't think that they can affect Brady in a potential playoff matchup. So right. we still have a lot of football left to be played and injuries will play a part. but. I think right now it's going to boil down to the Bucks and the Saints. And I'm curious about that, that L.A. Rams game, too, that's coming up. That'll be in Tampa yeah. on Sunday Night Football. But, but uh, this, this Bucks saints rematch, boy, that's going to be really interesting. That's going to be, mm-hmm. I think, for all the marbles in the NFC South, the winner of that game, I think, ends up winning the South. I think on paper, the Bucs really do match up pretty well with Seattle. And I think that they show that they have the ability to shut down Green Bay and impact Aaron Rodgers. I think that exists, even if they end up meeting again, that exists in his head. The one thing I do wonder about, the Saints are a tricky team to figure out. They've seemed like they've rebounded a little bit, but the yeah. defense is still one of the worst in the league. And so in that way, they don't really match up well. But creative schemes have tested the Bucs a little bit on, on defense. And so I think that the Saints still present a lot of challenges. And remember, Michael Thomas is going to be back, and so that will help their – well, you would assume, unless there's some trade or something crazy, um, would be back, and so that helps. Possession receiver Michael Thomas? Slant boy. <laughs> slant boy. boy Michael Thomas. We know that was a fake story, by the way. We yeah. just still get a kick out of it. Yes. Um, slant boy Michael Thomas will be back, and so um, – yeah, so I, I think Greg is right here when he comments and says the Saints game is a must-win for the division and for their psyche. Definitely a must-win for the division. I think the Saints are still in a pretty good position, if I recall, from their what's left of their schedule to, to be uh, still amongst the top seeds in the NFC. And so that's a plus uh, for the Saints, but also the Bucks need to be able to win those kind of games. That's what these right. kind of games they need to be able to win. And you know, they've already lost two. Uh, in the NFC uh, when you talk about the Saints in week one and then the Bears in week five. And so that's that they need to start stacking more wins there. And I think that they can do that. Um, but that game's a, a huge one for sure. But they can't overlook it. Got to take care of business against the Giants. Get yep. yourself to six and two. Then comes the tough run, right? It's Saints, it's Panthers, mm-hmm. it's Rams, and it's Chiefs all in a row and then the bye week. So 
We learn a ton about the Bucks in yes, those we four weeks in the month of November. We're going to learn a ton about this team, and, and it's going to be a lot. We're going to learn a lot about the Giants come Wednesday's podcast at four o'clock. That's you and I are going to be talking Bucks and G-Men in New York on Monday mm-hmm. Night Football. So the Buccaneers got robbed of their opportunity to be on that national television stage on Sunday night with the the COVID test that came out on the positive end for a few Raiders that bumped the Bucks down to four oh five for their start yesterday. But Monday Night Football, the Buccaneers have another day to to get rested and healed up. And I think Mike Evans will be one that will support that notion. Uh, so yeah. be sure to to uh, tune in live here on our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. And we appreciate everybody that joined us in the chat today. But we want you to come back again at 4 o'clock on Wednesday as John and I break down the Bucks giants matchup for Monday Night Football. Yeah, we'll have lots of in-depth, some tape analysis, and we'll have uh, some stats as we do every week that uh, maybe you haven't heard uh, mm-hmm. just surfing the web uh, or looking at the traditional stats page. We'll have some numbers that hopefully will shed a magnifying glass on that game for you uh, coming up on a Monday Night Football matchup. Should be a lot of fun, but we really appreciate everybody listening, jumping in here, subscribing, Pewter Report TV, subscribing to the Pewter Report podcast, the comments, the donations. Y'all have been awesome as we transition yeah. to this live format. We've loved it. We appreciate We love y'all. We respect y'all. Uh, Thanks for those we, super uh, chats today. We appreciate those. Absolutely. Yep. Big time. Big time. And uh, we'll be uh, seeing y'all on, on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Until then, for Scott Reynolds and myself, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.